0: I haven't thought of anything witty to say at the start. Have um, you not?
1: Have you yeah. ever thought of anything witty to say at the start? Oh, can, ah, yeah. Burn. Um, was that a burn? No, nice. right, okay, yeah. Uh, just wanted to let you know. <laughs>
0: uh, okay.
1: Okay. okay, I'll just blag it. You ready? Well, oh, we're sitting in silence, <laughs> so I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, <did you> just... <laughs> the least important, pod- interesting podcast ever. We just sit there in total oh. silence.
0: Okay, hey, listeners, welcome to episode thirty-eight of the Picky Bastards podcast. Where, uh, for once, I'm gonna not say anything witty and imaginative and slag the other two off at the start because we have a lot to get through. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go straight through after saying a quick hello. How you doing, Nick? How you doing, doing Matt? All right,
1: thank you. How are you? Hello again that with just a, a lot voice.
2: longer.
0: Yeah. Weird um and also happy 2021. It's we're currently recording on the 10th of January and nothing out of the ordinary has happened yet in 2021. It's been very calm and normal. It has. Um very smooth. Yeah, no weird shit going on. <laughs> um so today we're going to look back at some of the albums of 2020. Um so we've all picked our own album of the year which you'll you'll hear soon, but we've also as always pick some from, from other lists and from other magazines and websites, so I'll just run through what they are. So we've got um, Shaw by Fleet Foxes, which was on a lot of lists, but was number two in Uncut Magazine, was its highest. Um, we've got England as a Garden by Corner Shop, which was number six in Mojo Magazine. Um, Chloe and Halle's Ungodly Hour was on a lot of lists, but was number one in Clash Magazine. Um, Folklore by Taylor Swift was number one in eight different lists, so pretty popular um we've got open Mike eagles anime trauma and divorce which was number one in beats per minute and um poppy's i disagree which um you know is the one that maybe i'm not sure we should have included seems its highest was number 12 on revolver but you know it was on needle drop as well somewhere top 20 okay so it was on low teens i think yeah okay okay it's justified its position. So we're going to do this in the way we always do the album of the year with a few sort of round robin questions um, and we're just going to start by talking about our own albums of the year. So we're going to have 90 seconds each to tell you what our album of the year is and I'm going to start with Matt once I can find my timer. Uh oh. Are you ready Matt?
2: Yeah. So go. Okay I'm going to start by saying i um, well yeah. I guess I should start by saying the album. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot help. you to introduce it. Anyway, <laughs> this it. my favorite album of the year was Car Seat Headrest with Making a Door Less o- Open. And the I'd say the previous album before this was um, called Teens of Denial was um, if you looked up indie rock in like the dictionary, this was like the def- dictionary definition of that. It was a perfect epitome of that album. And so moving forward from that, you really have to – like you can either walk that fine line of do I do something that's exactly the same or do I push forward and how far do you push forward? And I think this album was the perfect, uh, perfect line. And um, it goes forward in stylistically and really interesting ways. They've added um, and, and expanded the sound to include some more dancey and electronic sounds um, and, and, also some heavier rock moments as well. But it still sounds very much like Car Seat Headrest. Um, it's just snappier, more diverse and more interesting as an album as a whole. Um, I don't think I could argue it's the best album of the year, but it's definitely my favourite and I've enjoyed it a lot this year. Um, and I'm also going to try and get ahead of the comments that I can see coming from <laughs> the others. Um I know he sounds like Beck and obviously owes a lot to Beck. Sorry, Matt, you cannot get ahead of
0: those guys yeah, because the ahead. alarm is going off and you're 90 seconds I'm going to unleash our
1: wrath about casting your yeah. headrest on so you
2: can't defend yourself. You do not get to do that. You'll have to do that later. But I do want you guys to remember you can't just slag them off for for the name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why do wait
0: and see what happens? Because
2: all you've talked about is the name I mean What is the dumbest name for a band ever Not to
0: give my notes away too much But my first bullet point does mention how shit their name is But (laughs) um, we're not there yet No Okay, Nick 90 seconds starts now
1: On what was your favourite album of the year? Yes Yes. Okay, my favourite album of the year was Quelle Chris and Chris Key's Innocent Country 2 It's hard to know what to say More than I've already said about this We covered it on the podcast a little while ago Uh, Essentially, it's an album of clever, thoughtful, amusing, and smoothly flowing hip-hop throughout. It's very, very consistent. But at least as importantly as all the flow, it's it's musically possibly the most lush and beautiful hip-hop album I've ever heard. I mean, it's up there with Twimper Butterfly, to my mind, Mm -hmm. in terms of the production standards. It just sounds so beautiful all the way through. And these two things the flow, the, the you know, kind of smooth, rolling flow, and then the beautiful, lush instrumentation work really well together. And it's sort of a set of narratives through the songs that you drift along with. Um, and you notice, because of the way you can sort of be drawn through it, you'd notice these new nuances all the way through, every over and over again, in terms of the uh, lyrics and in terms of the production. So um, there, there are some really high point tracks like Living Happy, Black Twitter, uh, and Make It Better is possibly my favourite track. Um, but I think one of the things to say about it is that generally speaking, um, it's really, really consistent all the way through uh, and therefore it's really hard to pick out favourite tracks. I will say, as I think I said on the podcast possibly before we did it, we did it a few months ago, I do think it has an annoying opening, like many albums at the moment has an annoying opening where it's just like a kind of... It's enough you. you finish that sentence. It's you have to year. imagine what I was going to say.
0: So basically you've just finished your 90 <laughs> seconds about your album of the year by slagging it off. That's, yeah. That's, that's right. What yeah. That's what everyone's left with is just that negative yeah. comment. That's the only when I do the Twitter quotes, that's the only one I'm gonna pull. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, Matt, you timing me?
2: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah.
0: Get on it. Ready? I am. Go. Okay. okay, so for me, nothing even came close to Punisher by Phoebe Bridges in 2020. Um I was already a huge fan of hers after the debut. And I was very excited for the follow-up, but I really couldn't have predicted how much she would evolve and grow and take risks in the way she did. Um, so as I always do, I purposely ignored the singles in the build-up. And as soon as the short intro song at the start turned into the second song, Garden Song, I was immediately struck by the changes she had made. It's you know, from a very clear, crystal clear production on the debut to something a bit muddier and dingier. And that kind of continues throughout the majority of the album. I think Phoebe continues to have her vocals and lyrics as the driving force behind the song. But there's a bit of a darker tinge and more layers to the instrumentation that make her voice stand out even more. Um, I also think she's progressed massively in terms of storytelling and lyrics. Each song tells its own story, whether it be her obsession with Elliot Smith in Punisher or an amazing little snapshot of a relationship in Moon Song, And even on Kyoto, which is definitely the poppiest song here, she paints a really vivid picture of a strained relationship with her father and I just found that really powerful. Um, and while I love the quiet, constant, contemplative moments on the album, I think it's also really amazing to hear uh, Let Go a bit on some of the songs like Chinese Satellite, S.E.U., and especially in this year's best song, which is I Know the End. Um, I mean, that's just a great, great song to end an album with, and the story she tells and the way the song evolves just really reminds me of some of my favorite artists. And to hark back to last episode, it's got a Bowery feel to the way that song's made. Um, yeah, I haven't been excited about this. Exci- oh, last sentence. I'm no. very excited about this artist. was <sighs> my final sentence. <sighs> So I'm not with the you know, none of, not of us, after, bo- after saying before that we were all going to nail the 90 seconds, none of us did. I
1: oh, know. Yeah. I thought it was going Okay, so, be really so that's short, our of yeah. the
0: year. So as we always do, we'll now discuss those between us. I think as Matt has already sort of preempted the car seat headrest conversations, should we start there? Yeah.
1: Sure,
0: that's fine. Yeah, do why don't you pick go for Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay, so I know I've given you a lot of shit about liking car seat headrests because of their mind-numbingly terrible name. But I had actually also spent time listening to a couple of the previous albums. Uh, They were playing at a couple of festivals I went to um, in the past, and I checked out Teens of Denial and Twin Fantasy. Um, I genuinely found both of those albums unlistenable. Um, (laughs) I could not stand them. So I wasn't really very optimistic for your album of the year pick, but this album really, really did take me by surprise. Um, It was definitely one of my contenders for my favorite discovery at first when i started but some of the other albums grew on me and overtook it but um but yeah i really like the energy of the album i like the sort of frantic feeling some of the songs have i think uh, my favorites can't cool me down um but i think that's partly because yeah. it reminds me of some of the more recent stuff the folds have been doing um, and i really like oh, that yeah um and there are there are songs on this that make it really obvious to me why it's your album of the year as well i think like deadlines hostile and martin have a real sort of metronomy lcd sound system sound about them and yeah, yeah. um, you know, you know I wasn't mad on Metronomy, but it reminded me of the better stuff for Metronomy. Um, and then there's a song towards the end of the album called Life Worth Missing, which kind of reminded me of Frightened Rabbit, which you know is a pretty big compliment from me. Um Yeah. And then uh yeah, there's a song called There Must Be Blood, I really like that. There must be more than blood, I really like that. But there are a couple of caveats to my enjoyment, um, which is I think why some of the albums overtook it, and one of them you mentioned. I don't always love his voice. Um, and there were two really poor songs, I thought. I thought What's With You Lately is just a hideous scroll, which sort of reminds me of some of the things I didn't like about the previous work. And then the song Hollywood was kind of like a 90s Smash Mouth cover, I thought, and I could not get into that at all. But really, even though they're two big blips on the album, I think the highs are really high. So, uh, yeah, I was I was really into it, and it was, it was pretty high on my list. Cool.
2: Yeah, I... Definitely think they've moved in a direction that is very matte centric. So I can yes. definitely see why it's. It's obvious, a very you album. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I think some of the good because you know the stuff that you listen to that I'm not into. that's a bit more sort of, you know, if you think about let's the Disclosure album for example, which is very upbeat. Like this album is upbeat, but there is some emotion and some
1: feeling in this album as well. So I think that's oh, quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, there's the more layers. What about you, Nick? So. Um, I'll start by saying, as is no surprise to anyone, that I love experimentation. Um, but the first track on this album, Weightlifters, uh, is just an incredibly irritating way to build uh, a sort of opening to an album, a very piercing, grinding kind of synth sound that just really put me off. And, I, and the first few times I went into the album, I was just like, what the hell is this? It's going to piss me right off. There are some other tracks like that that I, that I generally found to be irritating uh, and, and not listenable and unlistenable is I think the Fran, phrase Fran used but there are some good parts in this album that I liked I liked um, Deadlines, Hostile and Deadlines, Thoughtful actually they're, they're the best tracks in general I would say yeah uh, and lyrically yeah, I thought I there was some interesting stuff going on um, there's some really good sort of wild describe as pregnant phrases you know like oh temptation I could be part of you Is a, is a kind of Clever way of um, leaving a f- phrase open for interpretation in lots of different ways. Uh, that's from Deadlines Hostile. Um, I thought the drum parts were um, a little bit flat sometimes, um, but it was very consistent and evenly paced. It was very like um, like music we'd we in a New York bar, which and I like New York bars. I'll just point out, but still, <laughs> it sounded very like background to New York bar to me, uh, to sound a cool hipster place. He does live in New York. So he does, yeah. But he's not yeah. been in a bar yeah. for a good year now. Yeah, actually. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> remembering, trying to vaguely remember <laughs> maybe, what it was like.
2: Yeah, maybe that's why the nostalgia. I will
1: say though that so there's there's some it's a very mixed bag. There's some ups and some downsides. But the main problem I have with the album is that I do think it's actually derivative. It's at the point of being derivative with LCD Sound System to me. Um, it seems like it's parts like. Um, well, Hollywood is actually one of them. I think it's got some of that in it, and lots of the, almost all the tracks through it. Actually, I think in terms of beats, mm-hmm. sound very like LCD Sound System tracks. So that's a major concern if you're going to list it as album of the year. It needs to be something that to me pushes things forward, and this this album doesn't do that. So it's a, it's a mixed bag. Um, there are some good stuff. There is some good stuff on it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't rate it in my top view of the year easily. That's I for can me. go
0: with the derivative thing in terms of like, it because I just listed about five bands while I was talking about it, but I think because it felt like there was a lot of different influences, I didn't find it derivative of just one act. Mm. Um, so That's that, okay, I, I think you're right. I find it kind of influenced by a lot of things, but not... That's where the line accurate. is,
1: isn't it? If it's got a mix of different bands, then it can't mm. really be de- described as derivative of just one artist, can it? So that that's definitely yeah. the problem for me, is LC sound system was would, would just cast too long a shadow over
2: this. Mm. Oh, really? I see. I didn't even... Yeah. Definitely has an LCD sound system. You don't it, hear right. sound system in it. But I'd I jump to other indie rock bands first. Ah, okay. But there are. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, I need to listen. I'll listen with that lens next time.
1: The one other thing I had written down here was Cardi Headrest is a shit name. Just wanted to put that out there in case nobody had covered yeah. it yet. Uh, Cartier <laughs> Re- Headrest is a really shit name, isn't
2: yeah. it? Uh, okay. It's, it's definitely one of the worst, but hey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Even he agrees. Okay. Um, Matt, do you want to talk about. Either Phoebe Bridges or or Kelly Chris?
2: Uh, let's start with Kelly Chris uh, okay. and Chris Keyes. Um, mostly just because I'm really glad that Nick picked this because it's also one of my favourite albums of the year. How um, are you going to make me feel guilty? We...
1: I just slated your favourite album. You're going to tell me you like mine. <laughs> that's that's makes me feel bad. Wow.
2: Well, that's I, very I'm much. Glad to, to, I'm glad to make you feel bad. Huh. Um. No, this had, like, we covered it maybe six months ago and it hasn't really left my rotation since. Um, and I think it, a lot of that is to do with, it's something I think Nick was kind of hinting at, is just, um, but in less technical terms, for me, is really just, it has a really nice feel. It has, like, a warm haze throughout the entire album and it feels very lived in uh, to me. And so that's, I just, for me, it's like, has this uh, kind of summer evening vibe throughout the whole album that I just really enjoy and like to live in and experience because it is very comforting. Um, And uh, I also just really like the fact that a lot of it's quite just introspective and there's a lot of, uh, I guess, I don't know. It feels like like they're in their own heads a little bit, but they're quite comfortable with that as opposed to some of the other albums, I think, w- which we'll talk about, uh, inside their own heads, but it's more anxiety driven mm. <laughs> okay. for, for better I, or for worse.
1: I would just add that the, to what you're saying, that the flow actually matches that introspective mode. I think, you know, is this very yeah. mellow sort of low pitch kind of flow is, is again, I think you're right. It sounds like he's kind of thinking things through. Yeah. Yeah. To me. Yeah. So I,
2: it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely in my top 10, uh, this year and it's, yeah he's i think i said when we covered him before he kelly chris in particular but i really like the complementation with chris keys as well but kelly chris is becoming one of my favorite um hip-hop artists because he's just doing his own thing in a really uh interesting way
0: okay
1: right um nick do you want to talk about Hugh bridges uh sure okay um So to me, uh, the Fear Bridges album is really uh, a vehicle for a really exquisitely beautiful voice. Um, And that's what uh, comes to... When I think about the album, I just think about that lilting, sort of stunning vocal all the way through it. And she is also a very strong lyricist, I I feel like. Mm. There's a lot of... um, Simple phrasing uh, that works really powerfully, like "I want to kill you if you don't beat me to it." I think that's Kyoto, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, so, there's lots of really good stuff like that. Um, I think, in terms of my personal taste, it's it's a bit too consistently mournful um, mm. through through some of the album. It's, it's very even um, in a way that I, f- I couldn't grasp onto as much. Uh, it didn't sort of some of the sometimes I would it would drift through a few different songs and I would not notice starts and ends almost i Mm. think that particularly that that point is particularly pronounced between kyoto and icu It's about four or five songs that are in that box in that block there that are very similar pacing um that's a that was a bit of a problem for me um and uh but kyoto uh was was definitely a high point i had a bit more uh it's really weird i thought that would be the song that you would hate on this album oh yeah well it has a bit more pace to it which is good Mm. um it's funny though. I saw a video about the production of it, and she described it, or the, the engineer described it, as a rock track, and I thought that was kind of amusing because it's yeah, I mean, so it's mellow. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's been nominated barely. for the
0: uh, best rock performance at the Grammys, and I even you know as much as yeah. I love Phoebe Bridges, and I'm <laughs> glad she's been nominated. And it's, like, it's not a rock song. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Um, so,
1: yeah. Um, but anyway, so no, I, so uh, I mean, I haven't got tons more to say except. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It's it's very nice to listen to. It's very uh kind of easygoing uh mu- musically now, I'm not talking about lyrically. Uh and she's a very clever um writer, uh, but I wish it had a few more undulations uh in the in the sort of pacing and pit and um melodic structures in the songs. That's that's what I would say is the downside, so. So generally, okay. generally a good thing, but not not my favorite. Okay. Okay, Matt.
2: Uh I pretty much have exactly the same sentiments as Nick. Um Like uh, beyond that, though, I would say I find it interesting that you said she's uh, it's like a massive development when I I can see that she's made a lot of like she's made a lot of positive steps from her previous Mm. work, but it's not transformative. She's she's a very good artist and she's very good at what she does and she's added some uh, extra pieces on top of that um to make her more accomplished but i don't think
0: big development in terms of the sort of the the first album is very much a folk sort of it's very acoustic it's very sort of laid back i think
2: it's the subtle changes but i think they are quite big changes personally i guess the core of what like i get from it and the feelings i get from the music hasn't changed um the the way that the album flows really hasn't really changed that much there are sometimes it, yeah it's a bit muddier as you as you said and mm. it sometimes it's a bit louder um but it's not um the overall feel of the album it hasn't stepped forward in like a massive way but it mm. I, 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 that was more just it it wasn't for me as transformative at of a step but it's still yeah. it's good. It's really good. I can see why a lot of people like it. It's very much in the kind of. Uh, I can see specifically why certain outlets really like it as well, and why you like it. It's very much in the kind of NPR, like perfect artist, um, mm. which is normally a kind of uh, genre I'm really into as well. It's just for some reason Phoebe Bridges has never quite clicked for me. And um, but yeah, it just it's seems kind to of be ex-
0: like a marmite one for a lot of people. I think it's and it's interesting hearing Nick say about he really liked her voice because um, that's one of the things that I found people, I mean, obviously I love her voice, but it's yeah. one of the things that I found people have not been able to get into it because of her voice. Do you think that's one of the things that holds you back, now? Oh,
2: no, I, I love her voice. It's, it's, okay. it's exactly the same as Nick Pacing. I get, yeah. her albums are really like, there's l- lulls in the album. I, I think it's a good album with some great songs mm. um, and then there's some stuff in between the great songs that it's nice, but yeah. not exciting. Fair enough.
0: Okay, question two. So the second question is, what was your favourite new discovery on the list? And I'm going to Nick first this time. Okay. Are you ready?
1: Yes, except I don't know the name of the album, so somebody's going to have to fill it in for me.
0: Okay, <laughs> go.
1: <laughs> so uh, Fleet Foxes is my favourite discovery. Sure. Is that the name of the album, am I yes. sure? Is that what you're saying? I'm not just saying sure, I'm just saying... Yeah. <laughs> <But you're> saying <laughs> Are you sure it really everything. is? I think um, both work. So I always yeah, felt that this work. band uh, was really too dreamy for my taste, um, and I also felt like they were kind of a one-trick pony, uh, and they were writing something close to sort of pleasant music, which is always something I, I tend to kind of avoid in many ways. Um... But uh, this is a great turn for them, and I feel like this is the best thing they've done. Um, and the writing, construct, the song construction, and their production uh, generally sound a lot more interesting. Um, has some real energy at times. Has some much more, much more builds and swells that are more powerful than previous stuff I've heard of theirs. Uh, even though it's clearly still a Fleet Fox's album, so I have they haven't lost their identity um, from the first track, I guess, uh, which is Wading in Waste. in in waste water and he said (laughs) wading in water waist high wading in waste water yeah that sounds (laughs) they seem to be um, (laughs) they kind of consciously play with the cliche of what a a Fleet Foxes song should sound like and they sort of rise out of that delicacy into something more um, in the best possible way kind of bombastic Um, and I I can believe In You is probably my favourite track on the album but the one problem I have is they still sound much too much reverb on the album as a whole um, it's to me it smacks of a lack of confidence in a band when i hear that it seems to be like they're trying to conceal it to conceal things sometimes not always but um and I, I find that disappointing that they bother to do that
0: so far nobody has hit 90 seconds on any answer
1: except that was my final yeah. word so i was no, within was. a tenth of a second lies lies
0: <laughs> um okay matt i'm gonna go next so are you ready to sign me
2: yeah yes yeah. i am ready steady yep. go
0: Okay, so without a doubt, my favorite discovery on the list was Open Mike Eagle's Anime Trauma and Divorce. Um, I'd heard of him, but I'd never listened to him before. And after a year when I'd been a bit disappointed with the majority of the hip-hop I'd heard, this was exactly what I needed, really. It's such a great album. It's so focused, so funny, so acerbic, so self-critical, and, and just really, really inventive. Um, I love the whole idea that threads through it about anime and comic books and and how he seems to be positing an idea that black people in America should be using these sort of hero stories as sort of self-care and inspiration i just find that really interesting um and it's also just quite refreshing to hear a a hip-hop album that sounds aggressive in its beats but is willing to be so vulnerable in its words and its stories um i know this album came at the end of a year when he got divorced when he lost his contract on a tv show and when the musical groups he were in all, all split up so he'd had a pretty every year but it's um fascinating to me that he addresses all of this on this record but manages to be hilariously funny at the same time um i think the song about a black mirror episode a black mirror episode ending his marriage seems like a crazy joke but it turns out that's actually true he split up with his wife after watching an episode of black mirror um the song what the fuck is self-care really connected me it's um something i work as a mental health worker and i get asked that all the time by my clients but it's really interesting to hear like a grown man open up about attending therapy and finding everything they tell him totally useless. I just thought that was brilliant. Um, I could pick out loops from either of those songs or any of the songs to see how funny it is, but Head Ass. Whoa. I've got loads left to say. Okay, I'm done.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> head Ass. I had loads of stuff. Open Mike Eagle. Never <laughs> gonna know what, what you thought of Head <laughs> Ass. It <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah, top secret. Yeah. Wow. I timed yeah. that as well. <laughs> really? You mean you've actually been yeah, running no. test runs of these read-throughs. No. <laughs> I knew there was a lot
0: to say, so I thought I'd best to time it. But um, okay, so Now the next one, you was... like,
1: trying to get through everything. Well,
0: I'm just going to say it all when Matt stops talking anyway. Okay,
2: Matt, over
0: to you, mate. Go.
2: So I actually have the most to say about this one as well. I'm going to put down for the one I like the most, or new, is Poppy. I disagree, and I imagine everyone else is going to hate this, but... I had so much fun listening to this album. It's (laughs) ridiculous, over-the-top, goofy, but unabashedly, like, true to itself. Um, In the first 90 seconds of the first song, you have, like, sirens, a sinister whispering, then some massive metal riffs, then it busts into, like, this weird indie pop that's like Kiro Kiro Bonito, and it's sickly sweet. Then there's more metal riffs, and then some, like, really gentle keys, and some like gentle singing like a like a 50s kind of vibe to it like beach boys almost it's just wild and it just keeps swinging around like this um it obviously owes a lot to like some j-pop metal acts like baby metal and things like that but it's taken those influences and done something Uh, Really, really just fun and silly with it. Um, And even though I keep using the words fun and silly, it has this very much dark, sinister undertone to it to match this very sickly-sweet nature of it. There's this dichotomy that's kind of unnerving throughout it. Um, And it just feels, as an album, very unhinged. Um, But I enjoyed listening to it a lot. Um, I think I'm just going to stop there because <laughs> well, I have so much other stuff. That was exactly 80 yeah. seconds. So nice to know.
0: Picture is um, yours. Okay, we've all answered that, haven't we? Yes. Yeah. Should we go in the order? Should we start with Fleet Foxes? Um, Matt, can you yeah. talk about Fleet Foxes right now? Or is it another category?
2: I, I definitely can. I, I've okay. written, we've gone from the most I've written about in my notes to the least I've written. <laughs> <laughs> this, for me, this could be. Uh, This could have been, like, released at any time. It doesn't feel relevant (laughs) at all to this year. (laughs) It feels like... It was interesting to hear... Again, like Nick say this this is different to the previous stuff. And I've only really listened to that when they were, like, massive a year... uh, Like, ten years ago. Um, But it felt like, oh, it's them again, and they're doing the (laughs) same stuff. (laughs) And it's obviously... I Like, music this year, to be relevant to this year, could be... Um, I feel like talking about the, to- the topics or it could be like a soothing balm and like a distraction. And this obviously is it's aiming for the latter. It does feel like nice all the way through and pleasant. Um, but that I think is that if you're going to say a band is nice, that is what I think of. I think of Fleet Foxes and that hasn't changed with this album. Um It's perfect in a family-friendly bar in the middle of the afternoon while you're drinking a cider. And Mm -hmm. that's... uh, You've got more bar bar music then. Yeah. (laughs) Unlike Carsey Headrest,
1: which is more like a (laughs) nightclub in in New York. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I... Yeah. I. This is fine. I'm not going to listen to this ever again, though. Mm. (laughs) You done? Yeah. Okay. So the last question we'll ask of, of the
0: four for this round, Robin, is around what was the most surprising album the year contender and after the one that i've chosen for that this would be the next on the list i just can't really fathom why it's on anyone's list and it's on a lot of lists um but it's just it's just very okay isn't it it's just okay i mean it's yes. pleasant the songs are nice enough it's it's kind of listenable i've written background music so yeah family friendly bar works works for me there mm-hmm. i think um but that's pretty much what i would have said about every fleet fox's album so far you know, I thought given how well it had done on all the end of year lists that they must have done something a bit new, but it doesn't feel that way to me. Um, they're the middle ground of a genre that I generally really like, and they sound very middle ground. They're certainly not bad; they're good at what they do, but they, they don't ex- inspire me at all on this record. Um, I think there's a couple of standouts. I think Jara and Young Man's Game are really good songs. But what it got me thinking about the Bright Eyes album we covered recently, um, an album that's another album that's getting praise that I just don't understand. It's the same as what they've always done. But having said yeah. that, I would rather listen to this than the Bright Eyes album just because I prefer his voice. Um, but I, yeah, I will not be coming back to this album. I, I did not get the fuss. Um, not terrible, but I, I just don't understand why it's so popular. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, I I agree with you that it's. I'm hugely surprised that. It only just beat, uh, got beaten out to that spot for me. Yeah, same, um, same. And yeah. I think the only reason I didn't have it is because I rationalised that the like indie darlings and yeah. you know, indie folk darlings, and so like Nick apparently, yeah, that's me yeah. all over. Yeah, you
1: know me. <laughs> you got any comeback there before we move on to Open Mike Eagle, Nick? Or? Uh, not really. No, I mean, I, I definitely see about the the risk because of the, the verb I was talking about the risk of it sounding too. Um, Sort of washy, wishy washy, and sort of dreamy. Uh, I can see that. Uh, I think I was just lifted from what I'd heard before of this band, so that's why it was a, a, d- a new discovery for me. You know, it was something mm. that I did think was distinct from those albums before. But um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's uh, my favorite. Certainly, was not my favorite of the years we've already talked about. But um, uh, yeah, I, I would. I would defend it in terms of the interesting, the interest in the song construction, which I think was better than than you were giving credit for. Either of you,
0: okay, fair mm. enough. All right, yeah. Nick, do you
1: want to do you want to talk about Open Mike Eagle? Uh, sure, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, not got a ton to say, um, except I think Head Us is probably the worst song on this playlist uh, <laughs> of, of <laughs> this everything so we've good, done out uh, of nine albums, um, and the album otherwise uh, is is really really forgettable to me. Um, it's really, uh, I feel like it's. It's doing nothing special, and I find the mixing of it to be really, really irritating all the way through, because his voice is so far forward, it's just slamming you in the face all the time, it's like, just back off, just back the fuck off, it's <laughs> irritating. So I find it very difficult to listen to, honestly, I mean, I went through it the, wow. the requisite number of times required for this for this uh, experience, but um, <laughs> that's, that's it, and, I, and like you said about the flu foxes, I, I will not be going back to it. Um, I, I don't understand why there'd be a big fuss about it. It just seemed like a okay hip hop album with terrible mixing and a shit song at the start.
0: The Headass is fantastic as well, and it's uh, what a, it's got the funniest lyrics on on any song I've heard in a very long time. And I think there's some brilliant asides on it. I I love that song, so yeah, I'll have to agree to disagree on that. We will, one. Mm. Matt. In the middle, I'm
2: going to talk about it in a sec. Okay.
0: Okay um okay so poppy um yeah i'll talk about poppy go to town okay so (laughs) when looking at this playlist before listening to it poppy stood out as the obvious contender for something i wouldn't be able to get into i mean if you just look at the cover of the album the, the severe makeup the dog collar it made me think i was very unlikely to get any enjoyment out of the music but I really, really did. Um, mm-hmm. In a playlist that I thought was generally really good, this album was definitely in the top five for me. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not wow. massively into heavy stuff, and it turned out this wasn't as heavy as I thought it was going to be. From the imagery, I think it, it struck a really interesting balance between being heavy and being poppy and fun. I think it treads that line really well. Um, I also think we've listened to other albums, like I, I bring this up a lot because it pissed me off so much. But the Chelsea, Chelsea Wolf album. Um that just felt really unauthentic in its darkness. It, whereas this this album was more all over the place, but it did feel it didn't feel unauthentic at any point. It felt like a really genuine artist and a genuinely interesting artist as well. I also think another couple of albums that we've covered um that I wanted to mention were The Gene Dawson and the Rina Sawayama. I think the one yeah. two albums that are really mixing genres. Um and I found them really interesting because of the ways they mixed genres i didn't really enjoy listening to them all that much personally um i think this album mixes genres in a similar way but it felt more organized in that and more cohesive and um for me it was therefore a much more enjoyable enjoyable listen you know i wouldn't say the likelihood that i'm going to listen to this album loads again is that high but really when i listen to playlists like this and like nick's just said about the open Mike eagle there's always usually a couple of albums that i skip quite a bit and i assumed this would be one of them, but I, I I never skipped it as I went through. I thought it was a really fun and interesting album and I think it, it does deserve people's attention. I think people should give it a listen. Yeah. Yeah, that's I think, me. Uh,
2: I don't know if Nick wants to jump in now, but... I'm going to talk about Poppy later. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I think the one thing I'd add to that then is um, I think one of the reasons it is successful is it isn't shooting quite as high, I think, as yama and Gene Dawson. Mm. It's mixing less, less genres. Like, both of those are mixing like four or five different sounds at once into the same song. Well, this just feels it's like pop and it's metal. And then a a few things in between, but like really they're the two main sounds I get from it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that just makes it easier, but that, that isn't a detraction from it. It's she's done what she can do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, 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 it shows a control as well to not sort of go over the top with, with all of it I think it's yeah 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 I mean I think we and can probably guess that yeah. Nick from this reaction Nick might not be saying the same but we'll see when we get there
2: I don't. maybe it'll be the most 2020 album for him. it could be it could be
0: okay know. so that is the next question and I'm going to start this time so the next question is which album felt the most relevant to 2020 um Matt, can you time you ready yeah okay so Good. I'm personally quite surprised about what album I ended up picking as the most relevant to 2020 because the first couple of times I heard it it felt like a total throwback but I'm going with Corner Shops. England is the Garden for this one. Um, don't get me wrong; it is a throwback album in a lot of ways. There are sounds of the '60s, '70s, '80s, and '90s in there. But in terms of its themes, I think it has some of the most interesting things to say about the state of play in 2020. I think that's particularly interesting given it came out in March before any of the before the year really went to shit. But um, but if you spend time with the lyrics of the opening song "Saint Marie Under canon, it is very much a song that intersperses images of war with images of protest. And I think there's a particularly interesting set of lyrics about um, using music and the sound system as a weapon. Um, I think that's really something we saw emerge a lot this year, and that that was interesting. And then there's the track Everywhere the Wog Army Roams. Um, you know, using that word, the word wog is obviously a very hugely offensive word, but it felt quite powerful in the way that he uses it. And I don't think it's ever been reclaimed that word in the same way that the N word has, but... He is trying to sort of use it here to unite all people of colour together in, in the fact that they're all mistreated by the police, which I found really interesting. So, yeah, I think there's some really powerful political moments on this album that are dressed up under a sort of jaunty, cheery sound, but they've got a lot to say. And other times they haven't got a lot to say, um, but even when they haven't, it's, it's a much more enjoyable album than I expected it to be. I don't think it feels particularly fresh, but I do think it's fun. And when you add that to the political bits about it, I think it definitely deserves its place on some of these lists. 90 seconds. 91 seconds.
2: not quite. 91 seconds. Close.
0: Close. Okay, so we are going to... um, I messed this up at the start, by the way. I just totally got my order wrong on the first question, so I now have to figure out that it is Matt next.
2: That's me? you ready? Go. um, My album that I thought was most relevant to this year was Open Mike Eagle. Um, And the reason for that, there are some of these songs that are just talking about stuff that is happening um and the uh, i think when i when we were talking about Kelly chris i i talked about um introspectiveness and but from a comfortable place this very much feels like from a anxiety driven place and um, and it i feel it reflects a lot of the moods <laughs> that are currently uh, going on at least personally with the whole lockdown and stuff like that like going through things like black mirror episode and feeling like when you're stuck with your partner inside and you have arguments over the stupidest shit or like what the fuck is self-care like Fran was alluding to as mm. a someone who is in their 30s trying to figure out especially as a guy and um, figuring out what how you're supposed to take care of yourself in, in a way that is productive uh, when you're stuck inside and take care of the, your mental health is it's, it's uh, the way he addresses it is all like real shit issues that are very prevalent right now but he's also the entire way through so witty so funny And um, i the only reason i didn't pick this is like uh like my new new find or whatever is because i have been a big fan of his wittiness for for a, a little while now and i he's been someone i've been thinking about bringing to the podcast in the past um Okay, so you like yeah. it then.
0: So Nick, Nick is wrong. We can determine on that Nick one. Nick is, if it was yeah, down to majority vote, then yeah,
1: but that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Things here,
0: yeah. I'm always right, and that's as simple as facts. You know. So I mean, you are the older statesman, so we should. There you go. Have some, Thank some, you. Show uh, me some
1: respect. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right.
0: Um, okay, so
1: Nick, which album did you think was the most relevant to 2020? Go. Most relevant is Poppy. Um, okay. The name of the album I forget again. Sorry, i have anyone I done? I disagree. I disagree. That's the name of the album. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> but... Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> we're doing this every time. Um, <laughs> so I find it really hard to decide on this one for for a while. Um, I think the smashed together kind of genres um, is something that I generally love, uh, as people probably wouldn't be surprised me to hear me say. But some of these genres, new metal, sort of power pop and stuff, are very off-putting to me. So, um, But I noticed in the opening song, Concrete, it's very, very apologetic in, in these terms. It's very much kind of just announcing that it's going to do this stuff and it's going to go ahead, you know, f- be very forthright about it. And I think that's very conceptually punk. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's not musically necessarily punk, and I think that's something I can really respect. So, um, even though the sort of uncomfortable and sort of in-your-face production, I, I have to give it credit for that. And um, I think I need to judge it on the basis of what it what it thinks it wants to what I think it wants to achieve. And in those terms, it's very very successful to me. It's jarring. It's powerful. Uh, it's demanding. Uh, and it, again, it's, it's unapologetic. So I liked it a lot for that um and overall uh, i think it it might have been a a best discovery but i think it's more appropriate for this this year because it's such a fucking hard year this this is hard this is a hard listen in many ways Uh, and i think in that sense it it sort of fits the bill there we go
0: nailed it cool well i know we've spoken about poppy previously but i just want to start by saying i'm totally shocked that it's received such a positive response from all of us really Mm, i was not expecting
2: that it's one of the few albums that's received a unanimous thumbs up. Even
1: though it was the lowest on the ratings of the the various lists we looked at, wasn't it? Didn't appear in many. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I definitely am surprised that you two were into it as well because yeah. I have I have history with the the like the new metal. <laughs> well, mate, I was um, a new metal fan as well
0: at
1: the time, so you know. I despise new metal, yeah, but I still but... thought this yeah. this worked for me. Yeah.
2: So. I think Fran, you're still ashamed of that, and I still listen to <laughs> new metal. <laughs> I mean, I'm
0: still looking forward to when you do Linkin Park as a as a why I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am ashamed
1: I got... of how into Limp Biscuit I was,
0: but. That's I'm going to be away for the yeah, episode, I'm afraid.
1: Great. I'm sorry, I'm not around for the episode. I've got to be somewhere. So
0: you just carry on <laughs> on your own. <laughs> right, so the only one there that we haven't discussed before was Corner Shop. Do either of you want to talk about that right now? Or? Uh,
2: I wasn't going to.
1: I'm not going to. Okay, uh, neither of you are going to talk about that right now. Okay, that's yeah. maybe a sigh.
2: Um,
1: As <laughs> there's only one question left?
2: I <laughs> I was, if we're not going to talk about anything else, I was also going to add the, the one thing I had left on my notes. Well, I had a bunch yep. left on my this notes. This is open not allowed. Like evil, but the one extra thing i had was the fact that he writes at some point it's october i'm tired and yeah. it just it's so <laughs> <laughs> relatable as a lyric
0: <laughs> well that was what i was getting to do with him as well with one of the lyrics on on headass when he just um he just says in the background there's all these great lyrics in it but there's loads of aside and at one point he just says why am i like this and yeah. every time he said it i must listen to this album i bought this album on record and i must listen to this album more than any of the others this month and every time i hear that line i laugh. I just think it's yeah. so well-placed. It's, it's timing. I know he's a comedian as well, and his comic timing on this album is fantastic. Yeah. Um, or is it, just the whole I think it's the delivery as well.
2: Yeah. Because both that line and the line I was talking about, the, yeah. the tone he sets is just so relatable. Yeah. It I sounds it. like something you'd say. <laughs> and he's definitely
0: like, this is the thing with doing the podcast I like, is when I, he's an artist that I now will go and listen to everything by them. I was that excited yeah. by this album. So I'm yeah. really glad that you picked that one um cool okay so final question is which album were you most surprised to see getting picked as an album of the year contender and we are going to start with matt are you ready matt
2: yeah yeah Go. okay so as no surprise it's corner shop and it was between this and fleet foxes for me and that i find a lot of similarities in the way i was thinking about these two albums is because i had an earlier preconception and i know some of their previous music from a decade or more than a decade ago and i haven't listened to anything in between really and then i come back to it and it's like oh this sounds exactly what i expected um Mm. and i get what the points fran was making like like lyrically like there is some interesting stuff going on and a lot of the songs i enjoyed as an album it was fine and um, I didn't dislike it at any point um but it just didn't it didn't feel current to this year um and I think I think I would have been quite warm on this album in a regular episode but in the context of album of the year mm. it just didn't um feel like it was really a really contender like all of the other albums I felt had some merit for here or there or some argument I just didn't see the argument for this one, and that is why I was most surprised. Okay,
0: yeah. is that That's you? Me? He's right. It. So we're going to Nick, and I don't know if there's going to be any
1: surprises here. But Nick, what? Yeah, did I'm going to go with a Corner Shop yet? actually, um, and I'm going to have to divide it into um, the lyrical content and the political context of what it's saying. Which I think I see where Fran went was going with that, and the actual music in this album. And this ultimately is a podcast about music, and this music is so tinny, it's so tinny, mm. it sounds like it's being played on a telephone, an old-star telephone, it's so, the, particularly the drum sounds, the guitars, um, they sound like demos of real tracks, they sound like somebody's just playing it to the producer down the phone so they can say, oh yeah, this might be a go, let's try and record that properly later. Um, it sounded very much, as, as Matt said, it sounded like like um, when I w- when was really into Brimful of in ninety. Four or whatever. Uh, it sounded like. <laughs> it's quite that long ago. But it, it was something crazy. like that, yeah. Um, uh, and it's, it's just the same. It sounds exactly the same as that. It sounds like they're just it's part of the same album. There's no progress at all. Um, there are some bits that sounded more 70s, but I think that was just a throwback on the previous versions of their music anyway. This always sounded a bit more 70s. So uh, musically, I just thought it was very, like, by the numbers um, in terms of the, the, the actual song construction and stuff. But again, the biggest problem was I just couldn't get past uh how thin the sound was. Uh it just was like Fran Summer says, unlistenable. That's me. Okay. Interesting.
0: Okay, so you ready to sign me, Matt? Uh
2: yeah. You ready? Okay.
0: Yeah. Go. Cool. Okay, so first of all, I wanna say I don't think there was a single album on this list that I actually thought was a bad album. They're all at least decent. So usually this would be the part of the segment the segment of the podcast where I get really snarky and lay into something, but I can't actually do that today. Second of all, though, I want to apologise in advance to Nick because the album I am most surprised to see at the top of an album of the year list is Kelly Chris's Innocent Country 2. Um, I doubt that's a massive shock to you as I wasn't particularly positive about it when we covered it on the previous podcast. Mm. And if anything, it did slightly grow on me from the last time, but only slightly. Other than Sacred Safe, which I think is a fantastic song, I find it pretty one-dimensional and bland. Uh, It never infuses me or energizes me. I do appreciate there's some really good lyrics and some good themes, but because the beats just never captivate me at all, I never get pulled in by the words. So, yeah, I don't want to lay into it. It's not a terrible album by any means. It's a a decent album. But the idea that it could be an album of the year in such a strong year for music is is a bit baffling to me. Um, I also think the reason I picked it for this question over something like the Fleet Foxes is that I can see why the Fleet Foxes is considered a standout to people who like a certain type of music. But even in a year when hip-hop wasn't really blowing me away, this wasn't close to the top of the pile of stuff that I had heard and enjoyed. And I would have thought you'd have picked Run the Jewels over this. Um, and then having heard the open Mike Eagle, which I think does a lot of the comedy stuff that this album does a lot better, I, that would be the, my favourite hip-hop album I've heard this year. So, so, yeah, that is mine. And I am sorry, Nick. I'm done. Deeply hurt. Deeply and hurt. Perfect. I apologize um painful it's all about honesty on this podcast you know that
2: yeah did okay we, did, did you want to respond to our corner shop comments
0: i mean not really because um i will say that i you know i agree in a lot of respects in that it's um i think if it hadn't been the some of the lyrics that really connected with me i suppose particularly around you know he is also from india there's some stuff in there that really connects with me in terms of uh the the history and stuff stuff I know about the band but I do I do get that it's a throwback album and it's not um it's not relevant in terms of its sound and its sound there are songs on there that I found a little bit unlistenable there are songs on there that I really liked mm. as well so it's not it's not like it's one of my favorites it doesn't hit my top 5 here I just I just felt that the um the stuff around p- protest and stuff that they talk about did feel relevant this year. And I actually think I did yeah. quite a bit of reading about Corner Shop and I do think they were really interesting. I'm more interested in them now than I ever have been because I think reading back into their sort of political stances and, you know, they were burning um, T-shirts with Morrissey's face on it like 10, 20 years ago before people had really turned on to what a racist scumbag Morrissey is. So I just, yeah, I found That's, it really interesting yeah. as an album, but I don't, I'm not like upset that you guys didn't i'm surprised I think, I, think both I think chose it as the worst as, as the most surprising album here i'm a little surprised but i'm not that surprised
1: and i think politically I as don't. i said if you divide it out like i was trying to suggest yeah. then you know i think politically it has a lot of interesting things to say yeah. i just think musically it doesn't deliver in a format that i would care to listen to yeah i
0: mean after the fleet foxes and the kelly chris it would be the next one closest to being you know that was that's where it would come on the list for mm-hmm. me so mm. it's not like i was in love with it but um yeah. i did find it really
2: interesting okay. I definitely don't think it's the worst album on here as well. It's mm. just, it, it's the context of the question of surprising. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah is. no, it makes sense. There are a band 20 who really, I haven't really heard much about for 20 years. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and mean, they the, the ones I expected,
0: on which... I expected it to be Poppy, Fleet Foxes or Corner Shop that and, that people chose for that question. So it doesn't surprise me. No, yeah, sure. yeah,
2: yeah.
1: But, um, yeah.
0: Okay. Nick, do you want to have a go at me about Kelly, Chris, just Not want you really. I and feel like I've, it never happened.
1: I mean, I'm just going to... Yeah, it's like a trauma memory. i blanked it out, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm shedding a tear. No, I mean, I, okay, I, I yeah. think I've, sp- I've spoken about it a lot. I've written on the blog about it as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's. it's um, I stand by what I think. It's, uh, it's someone that stayed with me a lot, and it will continue to be in meditation. And, and his work in general is something I'll be following closely because I think everything... I love guns as well. That was the, was fantastic yes, yeah, a few years ago. All yeah. stuff. Yeah. Get Brilliant. there with him. I don't know
0: why. Because I don't... Like I said then, I don't think it's terrible in any way i just i just don't get that with him for some reason um but
2: yeah it's it's surprising because i i would have thought he would be right in the sweet spot but
0: well it's the, it's the it's the sort of slower side of hip-hop i think i say that a lot on on the podcast you know i think because of my growing up and the hip-hop i was into as a as a kid you know it's i usually like my hip-hop to be a bit, bit more aggressive i think that's um, very i've seen yeah. that
1: as well in what you're in your taste for this because i think as well with, with when we talked about Timbaland butterfly versus dam yeah. Um, you know, this is very much in the to Pimp a Butterfly vein. Whether it's whether it's better production yeah. or not is highly debatable, but probably probably not. Most people would think, but still, it, it's in that it's in that school of things, and you are not into that school of things. So, yeah.
0: I mean, I like To Pimp a Butterfly, obviously. Yeah, I but you didn't it like it as I much think as Damn, did it's you? Overrated, And
1: Damn was much more uh, yeah. hard edged.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's my, that's what I go for with hip hop generally, um, mm-hmm. which is why I love the Open mic Eagle so much because it was quite hard hitting, but also really vulnerable and really open. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. I think that's my hip-hop sweet spot, to use the term that Matt keeps using. Mm. Anyway, we have I two more albums. <laughs> you use it every episode, mate. You use it every episode really? at least once. He's keeping yeah.
1: a count, so he knows. Yeah, that's a sweet spot.
0: Yeah, I have to listen. Remember, I listen to these to, to pick out all the um, the tweets. No, so no I, I, yeah. close. I do the edit. Part no reason
1: to close than me. Trust me on that. <laughs> I have to go in my second by maybe, second. Maybe. So, yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: we've still got two Facking albums. Out, to Matt's heavy out. breathing. Um, we've still got Chloe and Hallie's Ungodly Hour and Taylor Swift's Folklore. <laughs> um, should we start with... Matt just made a big sigh when I said Chloe... No, he's doing Hallie. some heavy breathing no. just to, show, just to oh, piss me off okay. so I've got more work to do. That's what no, I, was I wasn't doing. actually listening to you two. I was yeah, thinking I know. about I know. moving forward. <laughs> Matt, anyway, I'm going to go to Matt and say, Matt, do you want to start us off with Chloe and Hallie, Ungodly Hour?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. I really like this album. It's great. Uh, I overall thought it was very fun. Uh, this kind of fun R&B sound and I really like the interplay between the two uh, singers I think they had a lot obviously they're sisters um, and so they have have a lot of chemistry um, throughout the song uh, songs and the, the album um, and I just found that I was often just like really bouncing along to this while I was listening to it uh, in, my, in my desk chair um, <laughs> I think tipsy is maybe the best example of this it's like has these kind of bouncy and diverse beats and there's like several layers that are all kind of playfully interacting with each other and um, and then the, the vocals mirror that perfectly and kind of just bounce over the top and they're just they're all over the beats and um, they're very like the songs where their vocals are very forward and like really on top of the the, the beat as it goes are really really fun and engaging and I just um, had a a really good time with them. I think another track would be uh, Busy Boy is similar to that. Um, They do have slower stuff, but I think that was also um, executed pretty well. Um, And they they managed to have a mix so that it doesn't feel like it's all just the same thing throughout the, the entire album. Um so yeah and I I think yeah lyrically also just solid like all round very good album not surprised it's being so highly rated
0: cool I I mean the time wasn't running for that
2: friend because he went on for about 10 minutes so yeah yeah, no we're not timing
0: on these last two um (laughs) I'm gonna jump in because me and Matt are saying quite similar things here so um yeah for me it's an album that I think could have gone either way when you know when, when I chose it. Um, but I think one of the things that's been really good about doing this podcast over the last couple of years for me is I have let go of some of my snobbery around pop and R&B. Um, I actually give some of these albums time instead of just dismissing them on the fact that the cover makes me want to vomit. So, um, you know, the fact that I chose this album kind of indicates that a little bit. And, and in this case, I'm really, really glad that I did. I think it's an incredibly slick, well-produced and enjoyable album. Um, I know they've supported Beyoncé. Um, and have been mentored by her a little bit and you can really hear that i think there's a sort of modern day destiny's child to some of the songs and yeah it's Mm. not massively deep stuff but this is a 20 year old and a 22 year old singing about their experiences and i really sort of enjoyed that looseness to the album and particularly into the first half of the album i think most of my favorites are there i think forgive me baby girl tipsy i mean tipsy is probably the most fun song on this whole playlist um Busy Boy, which Matt's just mentioned, is my favourite track here. It's um, it's got a really great beat. Probably has some of the darkest um, lyrics that that they have. Um, and I think the album tails off a little bit after that. Um, I think Catch Up isn't a great song. Overwhelmed is a bit forgettable. Um, I think Don't Make It Harder than Harder on Me is the worst song on the album. It's a bit overblown, but even then, it's not terrible. And then I think it ends well with the track R O Y L, which I'm not sure what that stands for, but I liked it. Royal. Uh, hmm. Royal royal why is there no a in it then because it's cool and it's all in all caps okay well that's put me (laughs) off it a little bit um but yeah i think you know when i think of all the pop albums we've covered i'm not going to say all the r&b albums because you know that would include lemonade and a seat at the table but when i think of all the pop albums we've done i think this is probably my my favorite that we've done
1: wow yeah
0: That'd be me, Nick.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll be pedantic as I love to be anyway, and just say that um, like several of the albums, even the quality, Chris. Um, I found the opening little track there quite. Irritating and sort of put me in a bad mood at the start of the album. <laughs> Don't ever ask for permission; ask for forgiveness. It's such a tired cliche. I felt like so that made me feel like oh, is it come be on, really leave them alone. The little, album? the kids, man. I know, 20. I know. Well, this is what I mean. I'm being really <laughs> pedantic because after that, after that's a tiny little bump in the road. This this actually is a really good good album. I think really interesting album, and it has um, some really sort of interesting uh, blend of bass synths and sort of big kick drums, and uh, it, you know, it's produced really beautifully and the vocal performances are uh, pretty spectacular. Um, in fact, I was distrustful of them to be honest uh, because I thought they were just probably you know too too engineered to perfection when I listened to it on the album. So I went and listened to the KEXP uh, performance they did, and they really do sing just as well as that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah so uh yeah i think there's a song don't make it Hard on me which has this ending uh where, where they sort of dance around each other with these harmony parts both of them both singing harmonies over each other as it were if that's possible um and uh it sounds sounds pretty spectacular yeah so uh overall i, I did enjoy it um not really something i'll probably go back too much because it's not really a genre I'm, I'm that interested in generally but um i think it has a lot of it has a lot going for it and uh I also thought Tipsy was probably um, the strongest track for me. You're blowing my mind sometimes today, mate. I know. I'm, I've totally unpredicted Because I'm so open-minded. So wrong.
0: Yeah. Like Tipsy, I was... Because when I wrote down I like Tipsy, and when Matt just said it, I was like, Nick's going to slag that song off like crazy. <laughs> but no,
1: no. No, production-wise, I thought oh, yeah. it worked really well. The way the sort of bass uh, kind of undulated and fluctuated and, and the... Uh, Maybe
0: you've grown as well.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think mix, it makes me think of some of the songs poppy, in the past. Way music
0: now. Yeah, in the past, I think you would have called that song <laughs> facile. I think that would have been the exact word you would have used. Yeah, I mean, um, what I
1: think, I'm, what I think, I'm doing a bit more in this episode in general, and trying to in general is, is split out lyrical content and things like that from music. You know, the, okay. the sound of the actual tone and tune and stuff so, so you um, just changed your whole outlook on music for this episode well, well no i think i'm going in that direction in general because if i divide that out for example the corner shop would score highly lyrically mm. but it just sounds like shit whereas <laughs> chloe and hallie um you know is is not that very profound stuff but i think it's really produced very well yeah
0: okay so. fascinating okay are we all done on that i'd yes. like to start off on taylor swift if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, go for it you um, can be my guest Honestly, in all my time doing this podcast, and that's 30 episodes, 38 episodes now, I think Folklore is the album that I've found it the hardest to make my mind up about. Do um, I love it? Do I hate it? I really don't know yet. Um there were definitely moments <laughs> you your mind I really up. You got you really got 10 seconds like. to decide, come Seriously. on. <laughs> There're definitely moments I really really like, starting with Exile at track 4, and I think that's the obvious draw for me because it features Bon Iver, Um I also really rate mm-hmm. the two tracks that follow it. I think My Tears, my Tears Ricochet and Mirrorball are both gorgeous, understated songs. And there are other songs later on the album that I feel the same about. Like This Is Me Trying is, is one, for example. Obviously, the reason I chose this album for the list is because of Aaron Dessner's involvement. He's one of my favorite songwriters, one of my favorite producers. He produces a lot of albums of like solo, acoustic um, women that I've, I've loved. Um, and I really was excited and wanted to love this album. But when I first listened to it, I really didn't like it at all. There were certain things I just couldn't get past. There are parts of this album that totally live up to all the things that previously made Taylor Swift unlistenable. To- there's unlistenable again. But Taylor Swift's <laughs> previous stuff has yeah. all been unlistenable, and there's parts of this album that still have that. Like Her voice is just so sickly sweet at times. Not all the time, and on this album definitely not all the time, but on all the previous singles I'd heard and some of this album's songs, it feels like she's singing from a school photo when she's five years old and she's resting her chin on her hands and batting her eyelids. It's just so... <laughs> la 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 and it just that <laughs> grates on me sometimes and songs like invisible string are the biggest example of that and then the other thing that i struggle with is i'm not i'm not going to sit here and say that her lyrics are bad but i will say that they really don't speak to me at times um and certain songs betty is the big example here i know it's one of the most popular songs on the album but taylor is a 31 year old woman now and these song these lyrics i know they're about being 17 but they sound like they were written by a 12 year old um but the fact that these extreme reactions exist within an album, the stuff I absolutely love um, and the stuff that drives me mad, it's, it's quite confusing to me. And and then the fact that this is probably, well, it is, after Phoebe and Open Mic like Eagle, this is the third most listened to album on this list for me. So it tells me that when I could switch off from those certain elements, there was a lot about the album I was really impressed by. So And then I just want to finish off saying the all that confusion I had about the album is totally encapsulated by one song. The song... The Last Great American Dynasty is probably the most obvious Aaron Destner song in terms of production and instrumentation. The beat could be a national song, and it is a really gorgeous, beautiful, catchy song, but its lyrics make me want to vomit. It's like a Jane Austen novel gone wrong. So yeah. the lyrics, I mean, listen, to, the wedding was charming if a little gauche. There's only so far new money goes. They picked out a home and called it Holiday House. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad, but I lose count of the amount of ways in which they don't speak to me um so yeah I don't know and in the end I think I have to say it's a remarkable achievement that this album I think treads a line between her fan base and the people who have loved her for a long time and a whole new group of people who have seen loads of people coming in and falling in love with this album so I have to commend her for that but I also just don't know if I'll ever put it on again but I also might listen to it a million more times than i might buy it on record
1: so (laughs) i really haven't got a fucking clue wow someone else (laughs) really helpful thanks very much i'll I'll jump in on this one yeah um it's so interesting you say about the the fact she's is she 31 i didn't know she was 31 yeah Yeah, so um i think there's there's a lot of overlap and there's there's some diversions a lot of overlap Mm -hmm. with what you're saying for example um betty is the one i picked out as well um Mm -hmm. as being such a tired idea for a song from somebody who uh, is is and I think it's interesting you talk about playing to her to kind of her base, you know. Yeah. Um, this song is written not by it's by her, but not sort of for her as a it way. It's for another audience that I think she's she's sort of cowed yeah. by, you know. That she sort of play, has to play to, literally um and i I think that's really unfortunate because i think there's actually some some skill in this work and she is actually uh, better than i I hadn't really listened to anything she'd done before honestly you know that's probably Mm. uh surprising some people but um but anyway so yeah uh, to me it was actually a lot better than i'd expected uh in my sort of cynicism and there was some there were some clever expressions and some clever kind of turns and stuff um but i think yeah i got this impression all the way through that she was she was feeling almost a tension that she wanted to write songs that were mature, but she mm-hmm. felt she wasn't able to, uh, that she had to write them for a younger audience. Um, although I presume her audience are getting older with her, so I, I don't quite understand why she feels but then the I need think to because write... she's
0: been putting out pop albums for so long that, you know, the new audience of teenagers, every time there's a new album out, she gets a lot more younger fans again, I think. Yeah. So really, I think yeah. it's, I mean, I would know, have my 10-year-old niece likes her. So.
1: Right, I would have assumed that people were getting older with her and therefore maybe not, maybe I can see what you're saying, maybe that's the way it's gone. Yeah. So um yeah, so it was a little bit a bit of a pity really that. Um and, and sort of made us made it seem uh a lot weaker than it could have done. Um I, I think the Bonneverse song, and no you're not gonna be surprised, Fran, is is one of the weaker tracks on the album. No. Um, <laughs> I, I just think it was so Bonavero. it was just like yep yeah, this is the Bonavero song and this is the Bonavero feature yeah, he's it is, right yeah. here
0: yeah you're right about that um,
1: yeah he's, he's right here doing his thing he always does um, hmm. so yeah that was that was uh, uh, no, that was not the best but I thought there was some good and one thing I'll say as well it had some beautiful and not surprisingly for the amount of money I'm sure they had to produce it with some beautiful lush kind of pianos and stuff um, the pianos on Cardigan oh. for example Really, really, um, just immaculate, absolutely immaculate. So um, another lyric that beautiful really wound me up though on. about being an unused cardigan under the bed. I mean, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, just musically speaking, I thought that was that was. It sounded sounded really, really beautiful. Um, and again, a little bit like the Chloe and Hallie, though, when I was nervous that it was, it was, it was sort of contrived. Um, I don't know if this in this case maybe it was, but uh, I, I let it, I gave it a pass basically, and it, it sounded, it sounded really just really nice to, to the ear. Hmm. So yeah, uh, but yeah, so that's that's what I'd say about that one. Yeah,
2: Matt. Um, I, so I, I would actually disagree and say it went over that line, and it to me felt like a lot of the album very try hard. And mm. The, bit, the okay, the best comparison I had to think about this is uh, so my uh do you guys watch anime at all? <laughs> I don't think you really do. <laughs> Seen some like, particularly. If that helps. Yeah. So like uh, often in anime there's um just every second there's <laughs> v- over the top emotional yeah, uh, everything's anim- like, uh yeah, amplified. Amplified. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's super thankful of each other. And they're like, they're going to try to the max. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do my best <laughs> this time. And it's they're saying that same thing every single, every <laughs> single, like 30 seconds. And it felt like this album was like, uh, my emotions to the max. And it's just in the context <laughs> of everything else going on this year. And, and the tone of the album, the tone is, is very much like, oh, I'm going into the woods to retreat to my cabin. It just felt very, um, <laughs> uh, I forget, like, privileged and middle class yeah. the entire album. And it just... Yeah. The use of the word ghost really really that, that Fran referred to earlier Wedding really, really yeah, sat really yeah. uncomfortably yeah. with me. Yeah. Can well, yeah. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can see where she was going, like, the story she was trying to paint in that particular song of, like, oh, there's this person that was overlooked, and then she's using oldie-timey stuff to... To describe her, but then she's like, I'm living here now and I can appreciate her story, but it's just like, if that's the biggest thing going in your world right now, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and as someone who is such a big voice and she's, this album, I think if this was just another one of her pop albums, I wouldn't give a shit because I wouldn't give a shit about the album, but the fact that she's angling towards being this more um, critically acclaimed, broader based, and she's growing her... Political voice at the same time, yeah. and she has huge influence. Yeah. Um, it just feels like a mm, yeah, disappointing. Not that yeah. exciting. it's funny how much she wants to be the Phoebe
1: Bridges. Do you not think it was? It was yeah, I,
2: I write that down for the Phoebe yeah. Bridges album. Yeah. That is Punisher is the album that she wants to make, and she could, didn't.
1: Mm. But this is what
0: I think is interesting, and it's kind of tied into what I another thing I thought as well is that and that I like this album, like, like I think I like it, I can't tell yet, but. <laughs> I think if someone later. else had released this album this year, if it wasn't the Taylor Swift album, when I look at the people who are going mad about it and you see people who are like, you know, regularly, you know, big national fans, that kind of thing, going mad about this album, uh, I think if anybody else had released it, it wouldn't have made any waves. It would certainly not be getting eight number ones no. across. Yeah. across. Or You know, I've got, I wrote down the type of places that have put it as, as number one, sort of Billboard and all sorts of big, big publications if anybody else had released this even if it was an aaron Dessner produced album that got some attention like there's an album by a singer called hannah george Ash that came out this year that he he produced and it's fucking beautiful it's stunning but it's not got any acclaim it's a, it's a much better album than this um yeah if anyone else had released it i don't think it would have done anything like what it has done this year and i think that's said something doesn't it about the quality of it does yeah. it but do i love it i don't I think- know
2: I, Useless. Well, I think you, you're going to like it because of the type of album it is, but it doesn't mean it's one of the best albums. Yeah, right. I'm glad
0: I heard it. I'm glad I spent some time listening to it.
2: Have you listened to the follow-up yet?
0: No, I haven't. No, to? I was waiting to form my opinion on this one, which obviously I still haven't done. So I don't know if I'll ever <laughs> listen to Evermore because I, I know national Feature on that one, and that's just going to fucking confuse me even more, isn't it? So um, yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's. I feel bad being harsh because she's in a tough spot, but also mm-hmm. she can. She's now has the power to do whatever she wants. She could ignore everyone and do. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, whether well, I you, whether you like her or not, she could, do it, she
1: could do. a Beatles and just do something that was different, radically different yeah. from what she did in the first yeah. place, and reinvent herself. I know, think it's or, what it's when what, when you what you or. were saying a little
0: bit, Nick. Though that bits about pandering to into. If she took some of the stuff out of this album, mm. if there was just songs like Mirrorball and and This Is Me Trying and stuff, it would be a really beautiful album. Mm. Um, if it had those songs that don't have that sort of, oh, I'm a seventeen year old still please like me element to it, then it would be really yeah. good. So uh, she could do that. And she could come I think she could come out with something on the basis of this album, I think she could come out with something really,
2: really good. But I just yeah. don't think this is quite that well, album she, yet. She no doubt has a lot of talent. But mm. even even like working within restrictions, right? You see the Chloe and Hallie album, right? They one of them's gonna be the new Ariel in the little, uh, yeah. Mermaid movie. They're in like also acting in TV shows. They have restrictions to their image, but they're still um, ignoring that and writing songs about getting drunk and having fun and stuff yeah. like that. And that mm. is something that often is looked down upon for young young women, especially in their mm. late like, twenties, young uh, low twenties. Uh, low so you just got to. You can do it, right? Like, like she could do it. She's under a, a
1: mountain of pressure, I'm sure. I mean, to yeah. be sympathetic yes. to her, she's under a mountain of pressure from all directions to to do something that's going to again carry the music industry through another year, kind of thing. You know, like that's Look, that's how, that's what we're, volume we're talking about, isn't it? With her, yeah. and I
0: think it was a big thing I for guess, her to yeah. even do this much. I think So like do the mm. album with Aaron Dessner and do, mm. you know, I think it was but a big thing. It's not gone you know? far
1: enough, maybe. Almost yeah, certainly, but it's yeah.
0: you know, I, yeah. I would end by saying I think it's kind of it is a. It is a positive step, and I do want to say I do commend that she was able to sort of mm. do yeah. that. Even though I still yeah. don't
1: know what I think about it.
0: But, um, okay, cool. That's that's all of the albums. So we're yeah. gonna go to we're gonna try and name a picky bastard podcast album of.
1: I think some crazy is gonna happen from thinking it, go ahead. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: Well, I think I know
1: what it's gonna be, and it's gonna upset me.
0: Um, <laughs> but let's. So I'm gonna I'm gonna so I can add up as we go. I'll tell you my top three first. Actually, I won't because I don't know. But in third place, I've got either Taylor Swift or Chloe and Halley. I think that that conversation has just persuaded me that my third place is Chloe and Halley. So that is my third place. Okay. My second place yeah. is Open Mike Eagle, and my first place is obviously Phoebe Bridges. Matt, right. what's
2: third? Um, So my second and third is between Kelly Chris and Open Mike Eagle. Um, I think so going. I'm going to put Kelly Chris... Third, open Mike eagle in second. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, it was the other way around. And then, obviously, obviously car seat headrest is top. And, yeah.
1: Nick? I'm going to go third. I'm going to go with Poppy. Wow. Uh, Second, Mm -hmm. Fleet Foxes. And first, obviously, Crowley.
0: Fleet Foxes, second. Jesus fucking Christ.
1: It's not Um, my second favourite album. It's the second favourite on this list. I know, I know. Yeah. Just to, uh, just to be clear. Um,
0: okay, so I'll just do some quick maths. What well, you two? While I do some quick maths. I'll isn't it just a
1: tie
2: between Open Mike Eagle and Kelly Chris?
1: Um, he can do the maths in his head. He's, he's a scientist. So yes. It
2: is <laughs> yeah.
1: yes. That's perfect. Since yeah, uh, um, they're very different think, styles of, of a similar I think genre. Because
0: it's a tie between those two. Mm. Oh, here we go. But then, if we add up the points. The highest score points that they got, I think Open Mike Eagle is the eventual winner because wow. two of us gave the it highest. two points. So that's four points and Nick only gave it three points. So on a technicality. I on a Calibus total bullshit technicality. On <laughs> <laughs> a totally contrived load of shit. <laughs> yeah, I did just totally make that up as I was exactly. getting, but, yeah. um, Well, there you go. There, there we Open go Mike then. Eagle. Cool. So, no, um, it's not if Mike Eagle I'm,
2: I'm happy with both of those. Uh, as my Mike joint Eagle. second and the third. Eagle. They were going to be joint second, if I could. If I could.
1: Okay. Thank well, Australian. what did you guys think of the list as a whole? Nick? Um, I thought it was a good list. There was not much on it that I wanted to get past as quickly as possible. Only mm. occasional tracks. You know, there weren't whole albums I wanted to get past as quickly as possible, except for The Corner Shop, really. Yeah. Um, and so open yeah. Mike, Eagle open Mike Eagle as well, but I mean, I, I did listen Give to that it some more a fair then. few times. Um, whereas uh, Corner Shop was just yeah, was really unbearable, painful, uh, literally. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I think overall it, it, was, it was a pretty solid list. Um, and uh, I'm pr- my opinion of Carzy Headrest, Taylor Swift, uh, Fear Bridges, and Fleet Foxes were all better than I was expecting. Okay, you know, I, I didn't have high expectations, and they they all improved. And Poppy, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Because I had no opinion.
2: Matt? Uh, Kind of similar. Like, I I don't think anything on this... We we listened to a lot of the really good music from this year already. Mm. And so that rules it out of it featuring in this (laughs) uh, episode. So that made it hard because I don't think anything was really contending for the number one spot for me. Like, a surprise push-out of Carsey Headrest. Um, But... Broadly, the list as a whole, I, I, it's, it was a better than our normal episode because there's a lot of really good albums. Mm-hmm. The only ones I didn't really like were Fleet Foxes and um Corner Shop. And like, like Nick said, everyone who I had preconceptions about, um, better than Even, even Taylor Swift. Like, I was harsh on it, but. I, I thought it was a, a lot more listenable and enjoyable than I was, so it was kind of be really, it to really be. bad and it was just bad <laughs> <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> well no, I, I, I still think like I wouldn't if someone put this on and I was around their house, I wouldn't be like, Oh it's like <laughs> it's it's a fine album. I just was uh reflecting on it. I was hoping for more, but right. also it's much better than what I've heard in the past.
0: Right yeah for me i thought this was i've I, I was looking back at some of the um album of the year list we've done before on the podcast i think this is our fourth now this wow. was the, the best one for me there was nothing on there that i hated at all um i thought everything was at least decent um and then with the open mic eagle album actually that's one that would have if i'd heard it earlier it would have got up there into my sort of top five or six of the year i think so that's what i hope to get from these kind of lists um mm-hmm. And and then yeah, it's a lot of enjoyment out of albums like Chloe and Halle and, and and you know the Taylor Swift. I I I listened to it a lot, so I must have liked it in some respects. So I think yeah. yeah, good list. I was I was um I was pleased with it. Um, even the ones that you know yeah, you know, like you say, Poppy and Corner Shop. Those took me by surprise. I didn't expect to get much from them at all, and I did.
1: So yeah, good list. And we know with a joint winner as well, which means one that yeah, open Mike that, Eagle winning it is fantastic. Yeah, and, and the joint winner is a I, fantastic thing where. Where Matt is in between right. the two choices and Fran and I are on of different diversion <laughs> on the two sides of it. Yeah. Which sums up this that podcast, just, doesn't it really?
2: <laughs> yeah. That means I just have the most right opinion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sort of wrong both ways or right both ways, I suppose. Yeah. You could say.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, the thing we'll is, I, 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 I very nearly, if it hadn't been Taylor Swift or Chloe and Halley, I would have put Carsey Edrest in third and then they might have, they would have been joint as well. So.
2: Mm. Wow. <sighs> that would have been, oh, heavy days. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting times. Right, so
0: that's the end of 2020. Let's talk about um, what's happening next month in our 39th episode. Yeah. Um, I have chosen an album from actually 2020. So it's not quite the end of 2020. I've chosen Girlhood's Girlhood. And then I've chosen an album that came out on New Year's Day this year, um, which is Bob's Son by R.A.P. Ferreira and Scallops Hotel.
2: Cool. And I also, well, it's a 2020 album, but it came out right at the end of 2020 is Avalanches and We Will Always Love You. Um, and I also uh, one that just came out, Viagra Boys with Jazz Welfare.
1: And I will be hosting. Uh, that means I do the classic, which will be uh, Deep Purple's Machine Head. Um, and then I'll be doing a playlist about why I love Hendrix, which I'm very, very excited about. Fact, I've almost written all my notes a month early for it. <laughs>
2: really?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I've almost got to like so two pages of notes. So you don't to the playlist and see if you change your mind? <laughs> you never know. Yeah, I might go off it in like that like time. More, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll be doing Hendrix.
2: It'll be fantastic. Everyone get excited. Cool. Okay, um, yeah, as well. I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm jazzed. <laughs> jazzed. All right. Yeah. right. So go time. to
1: the go to the site.
0: Oh, yeah. Do go to all the site. com follow us on twitter at picky bastards capital p capital b all those other things okay that was very thorough <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right we're all done happy new year guys yes.
2: Bye. See you Bye.